The Daily Ding is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts. And because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. I love basketball, guys, but nothing compares to my love for Taylor Swift. When T-Swizzle's in town... I got to get tickets. Game time is the best way to get tickets for everything from sporting events to shows like artists like T-Swizzle. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic Podcast Network. They've got a timeout. They don't use it. This is how it goes. When I hope, I have no friends. I want Tyler to know his ass should have got thrown out. If I was a ref, I would have tossed his last. How dare you? Woo! Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Wednesday morning, folks. We've got all the best that happened last night from a light Tuesday night in the NBA. I'm Mo DeKeel. That's right. They actually gave me the keys to the car. I know. They're crazy. And with me is... Mike Borkinoff, the athletic beat writer for the New York Knicks, as our passenger and our navigator, Rob Lopez. Coming up on today's Daily Ding, we picked out our own versions of the 2010s All-Decade Team. The Nuggets don't believe in the Wizards, and Team Canada's getting a big boost to their roster. But first, the Clippers went to Dallas and slowed down Luka. Clippers 114, Mavericks 99. This is the first time all season the Mavs have been held below 100 points. Paul George with 17 points, 4 from 6 from 3 in the first quarter alone. Kawhi picks it up in the second quarter with 11 points. He finishes with 28 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists. The Clippers utterly dominate the Mavs in the first half. They had 21, I mean, really the whole game. They had 21 more shots, 13 offensive rebounds, and had 100. 23.9 offensive rating to the first half. The Cliffs defense was unreal. They had 12 steals, six of them from Paul George, and beat the Mavs up on the boards like we said. Cliffs win their sixth straight. Rough, rough night for Dallas, especially with those weird graffiti city jerseys. Mike, what do you think of those jerseys, man? I was trying to figure out the right way to explain it. The best I could think of was like if you took a bunch of highlighters and just mashed them up and you come up with that jersey. Do you think when you get, you know, beat in the way they did tonight, do you retire those jerseys? Like you just go like, we're never wearing these again. I mean, they should have retired them just on principle. But yeah, I think the kind of loss really, you send them right to the dustbin. Yeah, Dallas, blame the jerseys, guys. Don't blame <laughs> the fact that Luca went four for 14 from the field, 0 for 8 from 3 with seven turnovers, did a lot of damage at the free throw line. Got there 16 times, knocked down 14 of them, had 22 points, eight rebounds, six assists. But again, those seven turnovers were terrible. Porzingis wasn't much better, shot four for 13 from the field, 15 points and 10 rebounds. The Mavs as a whole finished with 20 turnovers. I mean, it was just a brutal game, Mike. Do you think there's anything they can take away from this loss besides burning those jerseys? 
<laughs> no, I, I don't know. I mean, it was like such a big calm down for them. They were leading the league in offensive efficiency. And then uh, the Clippers held them to like 93 and a half points per hundred possessions. And really, this is like the, the difference um, for the Mavericks and the Clippers was that, you know, the Clippers had two guys, two stars who could do it. And the Mavericks don't have that yet to go with Luka Doncic. Yeah. And I, the one thing I would say for the Mavs is they can kind of look at this, you know, if you're Carlisle, you can point to them and go like, see, that's what you have to be like. They won five straight going into this one, probably felt really good, felt good about themselves. And it's like, no, 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 these are the guys like this is the level it takes. This is what you have to get to. I think that's the one, one good takeaway. I think the uh, Mavs can, uh, learn from this a little bit and move on. Like I said, Kawhi Leonard finished with 28 points, eight rebounds, four assists. Paul George had 26 points, four rebounds, six steals, one away from his tying his career high. Lou Williams, as always off the bench, very productive, 21 points, six assists, six rebounds. We talked Doncic, 22 points, eight rebounds, six assists, seven turnovers. Porzingis, 15 and 10. Mike, when you look at this Clippers team, you know, what comes to mind? I mean, this was just a thorough beatdown of a team that we all felt pretty good about going into this one. Yeah, I mean, like what what really impressed me, and I know it's not breaking any news here, but like how deep they are in terms of top line guys who can really just brutalize the opponent for the course of the night. You were saying Paul George in the first quarter, Kawhi in the second. You had uh, Lou Williams with 21. Uh, Trez Harrell comes up with 12 and seven. Like they're so deep in terms of, frontline guys and it's just it becomes so much more apparent when they play a team even like the Mavericks who have this transcendent superstar in waiting with Luka Doncic but he can't get any help and the Clippers are like all right you know we'll let one of our stars take one quarter let the other guy take the other one and then we'll have Lou Williams on and Harrell off the bench and like it's 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 like a pick your poison type of thing but they have so many options and it it becomes I don't know I, I don't know what you do about that because I don't know many teams that can play with them on that level like that. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, too, is they just have so many bodies they can throw at you defensively. You know, they just they're going to be able to wear down guards nonstop between obviously Kawhi and PG. They're going to throw Mo Harkless at you, Rodney Magruder, Patrick Beverly. Like, it's just a nonstop chorus of guys coming through and and getting into you. So I really think they just have a whole nother gear they can get to defensively. It's so much fun to watch them play. And like, I thought the Mavericks tonight were going to be a test just because they had been so good offensively. And they're like, they, they crushed them to dust. Basically. They're like, you know, I thought Lucas still played well, but everyone else just, there's nothing there. There's no one helping them. And that's what the Clippers can be good at is taking away, you know, all your second and third and fourth options. Even if you get your first guy going, I mean, it's just brutal in that sense. And that's where the Mavs have to get better. You touched on it earlier. They got to find those other pieces. I think Porzingis is a year away. I think this year is kind of him getting back to normal. I think next year is the year we see Porzingis kind of hit those all-star levels that he was at before he got hurt. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen the Mavericks play twice in person now. And the thing that I keep wondering, like after, uh, after I watch them play is who's their third best player. Like if this is a team, they're 11 and six. Now that's, you know, a pretty good spot in the Western conference seedings, wherever they end up. But like, who's the third guy they can rely on night to night. Yeah, that's the big thing. They're going to have to find a guy. That's uh, We're looking at Mark Cuban and uh, Donnie Nelson for that one. Is it Boban? Can we get Boban time? Yo, they played them together. They played Boban <laughs> and Porzingis together at the end of the first. It was kind of awesome. Uh, I don't think it was very productive, but it was it was fun to watch for a little bit, having these twin towers. No, I mean, I feel like Rick Carlo kind of slides on his rotations a little bit. He plays Boban and Porzingis together. He Sometimes he benched um 
Porzingis and Doncic for the first, I think, five or six minutes of the fourth quarter in a tie game in New York. Like he he does some stuff. He tries things that that kind of slides under the radar and you're kind of wondering why he's doing it. Nobody's going to second guess Carlisle, though, in Dallas. He gets to write his own ticket there. Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers? The ones that barely hit the shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. So are you looking to add the Air Jordan 1's fearless UNC Chicago to your rotation? Or maybe you are feeling nostalgic for a pair of the Air Max 95's. You can find it all and more on StockX, sometimes even for prices lower than retail. With StockX, it's all about transparency. Now you can shop smarter than ever using real-time market data for everything on the site. Rest easy knowing you'll never overpay shopping on StockX. So if you want to look like PJ Tucker coming into Staples Center, you want to cop some of the shoes that some of these guys are rocking, then you got to jump in on all the hype. Check out StockX.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's StockX.com slash bball. Check it out today. All right, now to some news. Bucks All-Star Chris Middleton will return for Milwaukee on Wednesday against the Hawks in Atlanta. He will be on a minutes limit. Middleton's been out since November 10th, missed seven games, but hasn't really phased the Bucks. They've gone 7-0 in that time. Celtics star Kemba Walker expected to return to the Celtics lineup after that strained neck injury he suffered in Denver. He'll be there Wednesday night versus the Nets. The Canadian national team got some much-needed commitments for the 2020 Olympic run. Jamal Murray and Nikhil Alexander-Walker both committed to playing for the Team Canada today. Nikhil's cousin, Shay Gilgis Alexander, a lot of tough names. Shay's going to be playing. Dylan Brooks also committed to joining. Team Canada needs to win a six-team Olympic qualifier tournament hosted in Canada to secure their first Olympic basketball appearance since the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. The qualifying tournament begins June 23rd. Mike, man, what do you think? I mean, Canada's getting a little bit better for the basketball Olympics. Those are some nice names that you ran off there. Jamal Murray, uh, Shea Gilgis, Alexander. I mean, I'm sure RJ Barrett is another guy they might add eventually. Everything's got to be better than just the Ken Burch show, right? Like, I, I feel like... <laughs> Especially if it's in Canada, they they should be they should be getting to the Olympics, right? The U.S. is already qualified, so that's not something they have to worry about. That they've got talent, they got talent, and they got a good young team. And the thing about the Olympics that we've seen in the past is like you keep this team together and keep them playing together for a while, and you have a chance to really develop that chemistry. Look what Spain's done for all those years. Argentina before that, the Australian team has a good group that's been playing together for a while. I think that's kind of the key. If you don't have overwhelming talent like USA does, assuming all those guys show up. But I think for the Canadian national team, I think this is good excitement. I think it's really good for basketball in Canada in general. Yeah, I mean, and you have Nick Nurse as the coach and the Raptors defending champs like this is Canada having a moment. And really, I, I feel like, you know, this is the continuing that would be the continuation of it if they think they can qualify uh, for the Olympics and continue on. And it would probably continue to help build the sport in the country right like it's never going to be hockey obviously but if you keep producing you know guys who are even like andrew wiggins who was the number one overall pick even if he hasn't had a great career to this point like that's going to build momentum for them and and who knows what this looks like in 10 15 years 
Yeah, and I think one thing to keep an eye on, the tournament starting June 23rd, that could be interesting depending how far the Nuggets go in the playoffs and what Jamal, if Jamal Murray kind of takes it easy in camp or whatnot. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I do think that like uh, you can afford to rest him in camp if he's good to go when the game starts. Like he's in shape, obviously. If the Nuggets are having uh, that type of run where it becomes even a question mark, like he's probably in game shape. He's good to go. And he'll be pretty happy too. If they're, <laughs> I, if they're, if they're going yeah. deep, he'll be pretty happy. He'll go from one parade to another, just like his best Marcus Saul impression. So on to the second game of the night. The Nuggets beat the Wizards 117-104 in Denver. The Wizards were coming in with probably one of the top offensive ratings in the in the league. Really to everybody's surprise. They weren't number one, but they're in the top three. But it looks like they left that in D.C. For most of the game, the rating was like in the mid-80s to low-90s. Uh, they got a couple of points at the end to kick that up. Mike, I got to ask you, is the Washington offense going to start coming down to earth here a little bit? I feel like they have to. I mean, uh, you know, Fred Katz, our chronicler of all things Mo Wagner uh, in D.C., has been like running off the crazy numbers that Wagner has had to this point. He was six, eight, six of eight again tonight. Like, at some point, there's got to be a regression to the mean. I don't know. Maybe this is the mean for Wagner, but like everyone else is probably coming down, right? Like they can't have a top three um, offense in the NBA without that that kind of talent. No, I mean, that it, it was kind of insane. They were at that level, but also they weren't playing any defense. So there was a lot of possession in those games going back and forth. The Wizards are starting out a four game West Coast swing. They're going to be making stops in Phoenix and playing both L.A. teams. So uh I think we might see that start to dip here a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, when you <laughs> like the Nuggets, I've been surprised. I think they're tied for the league uh, lead in defensive rating. So they've been really, really good this year. It's, it seems like the defense that's been driving them uh, so far this season. What with all the problems with Jokic and, and all that. And um, they had their way with the Wizards. And now you get the Clippers and the Lakers like that's that's really when they'll get tested. And uh, it, it's going to be a big burden. I just I don't see them coming through on the other side in, in as good a spot as they were when they left. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit scary on that side. But you brought up the Nuggets and obviously we got to talk about the team that won the game. Really interesting on there. And they were in control the whole night. Jokic had 20, po- uh, 20 rebounds in 25 minutes. He didn't even play after the third quarter. Uh Millsap only played 20 minutes. Jamal Murray only played 25 minutes. He had 16 points. You know, they just dominated the paint with 62 points in the paint. I mean, and it was all penetration. It wasn't like Jokic posting up or making things happen. It literally was just the Wizards defense was that bad. Jeremiah Grant had 16 points off the bench in the first half, finished with 20. When you look at this Nuggets team and you mentioned it, they have, you know, tied for the top defensive rating in the league, you know, what kind of stands out to you? To me, I like looking at the box score after every game and just seeing what Jokic does. And it's always something weird and unexpected. And tonight it was eight and 20 and five. But I, I mean, it's the defense. And then also just how how many different guys can score for them night to night. They had six guys in double figures. Grant had 20. Uh, Murray had 16, 17 for Will Barton. And I feel like that's that's such a strong part of their their roster and the way that they're composed is just like every night it can be someone else they don't need to get just Murray and Jokic to carry them and I think over the course of regular season that's going to help especially as Jokic tries to get into um how do, I don't know what the like the nice way to say it, just to get into shape as this whole thing keeps going <laughs> on uh and they'll need that and like I think that's going to well I mean obviously it's probably not as good a um a strength for the playoffs when you need your top guys to perform but I, I like watching them night to night and not knowing really who's going to go off. 
Yeah. And, you know, with that spread out attack, they can really do a lot of things. Jeremiah Grant, like we said, finished with 20 points. Jokic with 25 and eight, uh, 20 rebounds, five assists, eight points. Uh, Will Barton with 17 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. For the Wizards, Bradley Beal had 14 points, six rebounds. You're not going to win a lot of games when your best scorer is not scoring. A little bright spot for them was Jordan McRae, who had 19 points and off the bench for them. This week at The Athletic, the site launched a series of all-decade teams across all major sports. I Hopefully you understand why the decade's coming to a close next month. We're going to go into 2020, and we'll start a whole new run of all-decade stuff for 2020. But right now, our very own Mike has a Knicks all-decade team. Mike, who made your Knicks team? Oh, man, this was, this was difficult. Uh, <laughs> and I don't mean that in a good way. I ran it by some Knicks fans ahead of time, and they're like, man, you have to do this? Um, <laughs> all right, here's the team. And it's pretty much like the starting five from the 2012-2013 Knicks who won 54 games. Um, it's Felton at point guard, Raymond Felton, J.R. Smith, who came off the bench, but he's going to be the starting two here. Carmelo Anthony, uh, the alpha dog of the decade for the Knicks as a small forward, which is ironic because he's obviously better off as a four. Kristaps um, Porzingis is the power forward, and you have Tyson Chandler in the middle. And uh, the drop off from there to the bench is just—it was not a good decade for the Knicks. It was—it's been a rough run, but you know they did make a playoff run. They did have that—that that little bright spot. And uh, me, Zach Harper, and Wozni Lambrave, oh, a couple of days ago while we we're at one of the Clipper games, tried to make our our Knicks old decade team. So I can—I I mean, we we're looking at names like Chris Duhon at point guard. I mean, Mike, I commend you on your list, man. That wasn't an easy task. We also had our own Zach Harper pick his 2010 team. I mean, his all decade team for the 2010s. Please go check that out and definitely, definitely tell him why he's wrong on why this person shouldn't have made it and why this guy should have been on the list. He definitely enjoys when you do that. But Mike, since it was such a light and easy night, we decided to have a little fun with the all decades team and we decided to put together a team of our forgotten five, the guys who you kind of, you don't really think about for the all decade teams, but you kind of, when you think about it later, you're like, wow, they were just so important. So we have a criteria for our list. The one rule is they cannot have made an all-star team in the decade. So Mike, who's on your old decade team? Your five forgotten guys. Okay. All right. Uh, I went a little bit off the board. Uh, I went like a little more narrative. Um, I, I really want to shoehorn Andre Iguodala into this. I know he made one all-star game, but I feel like it's hard to have a uh, forgotten guys of the decade without Iguodala, but I'll keep him off. So I went J.J. Barea, who helped the Mavs win that 2011 title, which kind of set LeBron on his path to his moment of reckoning and kind of switched the heat from Wade to LeBron's team. And then uh, we've seen what he's done. I got Jeremy Lin, who for those few weeks of Lin Sanity was the biggest story in all of sports. And I know it was fleeting, uh, but it was so much fun. And really, like, it's just one of the best moments of the decade uh, for the NBA. I have Tony Allen who helped make that grit and grind Grizzlies era. And then also how the Warriors played them on defense. I think it was the 2015 playoffs kind of uh, helped propel them to win the series and make the Warriors the Warriors. And uh, then I, I struggle with the last spot. Um, you know, I don't know if you put Luca in there, um, Mike Conley, both those guys were good. Uh, Luca kind of like 
setting up the next decade, basically. Uh, and also talking about all the teams that I still don't know why they passed on him in the draft last June. And Connolly is, um, <laughs> he's, you know, Connolly is like the almost all-star. Everyone's like a favorite, almost all-star snub. And, uh, I I'd still want to get Iguodala in there. Like he made one all-star team. Can't we squeeze him in and just forget about it and close our eyes a little bit about that season? I'm going to look to the judge, Rob. Are you going to allow it? It's in. It's in. You can have Andre Iguodala. Andre oh, can make God. it. We will bend the rules for you, Mike. We don't <laughs> run this like an iron ship like I thought we were going to. Uh, you're not I, trying. You're not cheating. That's that's my policy. Yeah, that, that, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm going to go with my list. I had Mike Connolly on there. Everything you said. I mean, it's, it's kind of. I understand why he's not an all-star, but he's played at that level and he kind of br- helped bring some offense to the grit and grind team, which I've hated so many times because I've had to play that team in the playoffs several times over. And uh, yeah, not too fond of them. Uh, I had to go with Danny Green. I put him on the list. He's a two-time champion, but he played big roles on both of those teams with the Toronto Raptors last year and with the Spurs being able to knock down shots. I went with sweet, went with sweet Lou Williams. I mean, Come on, man. Like he, we're yeah. going to name the six man of the year award after him, right? If it's not him, it's Jamal Crawford, but he's been able to do it and win a lot more than Jamal. So I went with him, went with PJ Tucker at the four spot, just because he's allowed the Rockets to kind of be able to go small, to give the Warriors those runs those past few years and give them real true tests in the playoffs. So I went with him and I went with the big guy. I went with Rudy Gobert. I like defense. He does a great job around the rim. He's been able to sort of, build a a huge career out of being a defensive stopper and has really kind of helped the jazz kind of get to the next level of the playoffs. Now they need to start getting there offensively. And I think, you know, you think defense, you got to think Rudy Gobert. He's won defensive player of the year. He's been a runner up a couple of times, you know, it's shock. He hasn't made the all-star team and had one honorable mention. And I went with JJ Redick because JJ surprisingly led the decade in three point percentage for anybody who hasn't made an all-star. So for our criteria led three point percentage, I think it was at 41%. So uh, JJ got an honorable mention from me, Mike. I love the Danny green pick. Wasn't he like a Ray Allen shot away from being the finals MVP? Yeah. I mean, that was a huge one there. So, I mean, and then we're talking three time champion, you know, and, and, you know, he, he might make an all decade team or two somewhere. Yeah. I mean, he, he'll make like Kawhi Leonard's all decade friends team at the very least. I mean, he's the one guy Kawhi talks to, right? <laughs> I don't think we have confirmation of any others. So, yeah, It'll, it's a very short list at the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's up there and he might be the only one. I, I like I like your team, though. The Rudy Gobert pick and Lou Williams. Like, that's a fun pick and roll, too, if we could see him play together. Oh, man. That I didn't even think about that. See, this is why you are who you are, Mike. This is perfect. You know, just even that would be amazing. So uh, if you could imagine what Trez does in the pick and roll and now combine that with Rudy Gobert's height, like that's unreal. Yeah. I mean, lose swag, uh, Gobert's height and his finishing ability. That'd be fun. Let's get to lines of the night again. Light night. We got Kawhi Leonard with 28 points, eight rebounds, four assists. Paul George with 26 points, four rebounds, six steals. We had Jeremiah Grant with 20 points, 16 in the first half. Mike, who are you picking for line of the night? I, I like Jokic's line. I like him with eight points, 20 rebounds, five assists. Like, that's a fun line. He took only eight shots in 25 minutes, and he's a plus 10. I, I don't know. I like, I like what he does night to night. 
Fair enough. I'm going to go with Jeremiah Grant because let's just be honest. I don't know if he'll ever be on that list again. And I want to <laughs> I want to give him a shot and a, and a chance to make it. That's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. We still have your favorite shows like Back to Back. You can catch me on Nerd or She Wrote. We got No Dunks, Tampering, House of Strout, plus a dozen other team-specific shows. I'm also on Brody and the Beard, so come kick it with me and talk about the Rockets. Some of your favorite beat writers across the board are all over these podcasts. Don't forget to follow on the app to get notifications for new episodes. And if you're not a member of The Athletic, you're in luck. You can get all the podcasts ad-free, some fantastic writing across all major sports, all for a super low price. Get 40% off your subscription today at theathletic.com slash dings. You never know when these promos are going to end. So get there soon. Thank you for waking up with us. Mike, take us home. Ding, ding. Ding.